Church, as we prepare to hear from the word of God today, let us pray. Lord, reveal yourself in your message to us today through the power of your words and the actions of your followers. May these words leap off the page and may our minds not wander. Show the fullness of your grace and mercy as we prepare to celebrate the victory over death that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from John 19, verses 25 to 27. Meanwhile, standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was a junior in college, my best friend since first grade got married, and I had the honor of being his best man. And then a year or so passes, and we graduate college, and he and his wife end up moving to North Carolina, and he starts to uh, train to go into the police, the police academy. Now, his job being a police officer is dangerous in and of itself, but where he was moving to and going to be working in was especially challenging. And I remember talking to him one afternoon and telling him he didn't have to worry about his wife, his family, if something were to happen. A couple years later, um, my buddy and his wife welcomed a newborn son into their life. Their family grew. But afterwards, the constant danger and threat that he faces daily at work made him grapple with his own mortality. And it caused us to have another conversation similar to the first. And it broke my heart to hear the fear he had about leaving behind his family if something were to happen. And while I couldn't do anything about the danger in his job, I could be there to support him and his family. I knew that what I was doing was needed in that time, but it was very uncomfortable, but very necessary. You see, I had to be willing to change the shape of my life and my family to look after his. Then, uh, when Emily and I got married in 2018, um, my friend had that exact conversation with me, but reversed this time. And maybe you've had a conversation like this with someone that you love or are close to. It could be that some of you are godparents. Or you've had this conversation with someone that you are looking over in the last days of their life. I also imagine this is a very familiar conversation with military families. It's hard. Facing the mortality 
of someone you love and trying to work through the emotion to look out for the future. Promising to change what and how you live. No one looks forward to that conversation. But it is very important in the process of caring and loving those that we are close to. Now this is the type of conversation that Jesus has on the cross. He is nailed to a cross after being beaten and whipped. Imagine his raw back bleeding, pressed up against the coarse wood of the cross. Blood flowing from the wounds on his head and his hands and his feet. Jesus is in agony. And despite this, Jesus knows the bigger plan and is focused on the community he was building rather than his own circumstances. He is calling upon his followers right then and there to cross blood and cultural lines to embrace one another in love and to live in a beloved community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this about community. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. His love, even on the cross, he was intentionally focusing on the people around him which would form this new family and community. John, the disciple, is the author of our passage today. And he is sharing what he saw as being the only disciple at the crucifixion. While the others had scattered due to the fear of imprisonment, persecution, or even death. Or like Peter, had denied even knowing Jesus. We see no other followers other than John at the cross. And then there's Mary. Jesus' own mother witnessed her son's death. And I've heard the saying, and maybe you have too, that no parent should outlive or bury their child. Mary, did you know? What a fitting song. I am certain this is not what she imagined. I mean, could you imagine what it took for Mary and John to be there? For Mary to know she's going there to witness the death of her son, whom she had been told would be the Messiah. What was going on in her head about those promises she had been told since the angel came to her when she was pregnant? This was her special child. She had been there for his first miracle, his first steps. She had joined him in some of his travels and ministry and been there when he taught. And the amount of judgment and ridicule she must have received for bearing a child out of wedlock. And for the way that he must have grown up being different. She is witnessing 
the pain in her child while not being able to do anything about it. And Jesus feels the pain of being nailed to the cross, this physical pain while also enduring spiritual pain of sin for the very first time. And it was with some of his last words that Jesus gives the important and urgent message to his followers to build a new community. There are many famous last words in history. And we tend to remember these or examine them for meaning. But why? Is it because the speaker has nothing left to lose? Uh, Or maybe things are just in a different perspective for them now. Or it could be that it's because these will be the last words we ever hear from them. So here are these, the last words of America's 34th president, Dwight D. Eisenhower. And hear how they resonate, resonate with what Jesus says. Eisenhower said on his deathbed, I've always loved my wife and my children and my grandchildren. I've always loved my country. I want to go. God, take me. Former President Eisenhower is accepting his death while also giving comfort and understanding to those he leaves behind. So with Eisenhower's words in mind, let us read our scripture again. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing beside her, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that hour on, the disciple took her into his own home. Jesus' last words here from the cross to his mother and disciple are intentional and filled with meaning. And now, we might be a little confused by these last words. Remembering back to earlier in Jesus' ministry when he says this about family during a time of teaching. Mary and Jesus' brothers were trying to get into a crowded area uh, to speak with Jesus, but they couldn't get to him for the vast number of people in their way. So they sent word to try and speak with Jesus. And this is where we pick up in Matthew 12, verse 46. While he was still speaking to the crowds, Jesus, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one that told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Reading these words, you might think that Jesus is seeking to disown his own blood family. But that is not the case at all. What Jesus is doing is expanding the definition of family. He is making it broader and more inclusive. Jesus is alluding to what will happen when he is gone. 
that we who follow him will be in one community and family united by Christ's blood. This family that Jesus is creating is an inclusive one. The Apostle Paul wrote that in Christ, there is neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female. In other words, all the distinctions created by the wider world do not apply within Christian communities. The community of Christ has been made inclusive by saying that the worldly boxes such as race, gender, money, status, do not contain nor define us. And so we are called to be that city on a hill that stands for love, morality, and truth. It will not come automatically. For even Peter, the cornerstone on which the church was built, had to learn and expand his view to God's view. In the book of Acts, chapter 10, Peter was praying one day when a sheet came down from heaven with all sorts of unclean animals. And as a Jew, he was not allowed to eat them. So he refused it from God multiple times, but then God spoke to Peter, said to him that nothing God has made is unclean. And this was not just about food, but about people. And now Peter, being very adaptable and flexible, um, for literally right after this, this vision and this time with God, Peter baptizes the first Gentiles by water and the Holy Spirit fills the family. In this season of fasting and the preparation for Easter, which is the celebration of the miracle of Jesus' resurrection. How are we to respond? How can we apply these lessons, these last words of Jesus about being a different kind of family? To unite across human and worldly boundaries. To take one another as brother, sister, and mother in Christ. There are two ways that I would like us to reflect on as we, the body of Christ, can in this time of Lent grow and reflect on this community that God has called us to. First, we can reflect on how we are being shaped and molded into a more perfect family. By the grace of God, we are being continually molded into this family that reflects Jesus to each other and the world. This realization is necessary but difficult as we realize we don't have all the answers. But we do know who has them. Our Heavenly Father, who has adopted us into his family. See, God gives us a written guide to life and writes us into his will of inheritance. Being adopted into this family means we all look different. 
but we are now united as one in goal, in life, and in life to come. And yes, we are still seeking the way, but we are doing so together. Imperfect people seeking perfect community. Second, the second way we can be a more perfect and inclusive community is by accepting non-perfect people. Simple and complicated as that. This church and all churches are made for sinners, not holy people. And if you don't believe me, don't listen to me. Listen to what Jesus says here in Mark 2. When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. There should be no judgment of any kind for those that call into this church, that drive through, come into the building, or take any part of this body of Christ. We are all called out of the same place of sin and brought by Christ to the light of redemption. You see, doctors don't get to, or if they do, it looks terrible, to refuse helping someone because they think, believe, or act different from them. Likewise, we as the body of Christ here in this church this sanctuary, this place of worship, place of worship and healing, are called to seek the lost and sick. Not just relying on the sick to come to the doctor, because we all know, we all know either it's us or someone else that we know who is too stubborn to go to the doctor when they are feeling ill or unwell. So how can we think that they are just going to walk in. If they won't go to the doctors themselves, we are called to help bring them there and to care for them afterwards and involve some sacrifice. But it involves love above all. This is the calling upon our lives as Christians to be set apart for Christ and live in community with one another. And it cannot be achieved unless intentionally sought after, by intentionally seeking after your fellow brothers, sisters, and mothers who are in Christ and hopefully one day will be. So I call us. I call on us now to pray and reflect on these two points. It's just two And adapt them into our Lenten discipline, into our daily life. By letting us examine how you and I can continue to live into the community that Jesus called for. With some of his last words from the cross. Let us pray. Almighty God. May our hearts and minds be transformed. And may the hard reflections that we are called to this day resonate within us 
And may we not be stubborn, but be flexible and adaptable like Peter. And be filled with courage like Mary and John to go out into this world. To find our lost brothers and sisters and help those who are with us now struggling. Lord, create in us a new way to be a loving, truthful, inclusive community. Do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.